Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I'm back so soon for the 18th episode, the Lance Stroll episode. This is the first time I've ever done a second episode of the week for Break Bias, and that's basically because of a very, very special scenario where the British Grand Prix was just absolutely insane, and it happened to be the first leg of a doubleheader. So, you know, maybe this this could happen again um, this year. There's a couple more doubleheaders. Actually, a triple header once this year. I believe right when we get back from the summer break, there's three in a row. So I'm not going to say it's not going to happen again because if we get more crazy races where it takes me just forever to review them, talk about everything that happened in the race, then, you know, I will do the preview for the next race on an episode later in the week. So hopefully you guys enjoy that because you get a second episode of Break Bias this week. Um, But I think that it's a good time to talk about the Austrian GP. It's lights out and away we go. All right. I don't think there's a racetrack that we've seen more of the past couple years. Austria has had four races over the past two years here and we're about to get a fifth and... uh, I guess one thing that we haven't got in Austria, though, is a sprint race. Guys, it's a sprint weekend. I haven't seen a whole lot about, uh, a whole lot of talk about the fact that this is a sprint weekend coming up in Austria, and I'm extremely looking forward to it because I was not really a fan of the choice to put a sprint weekend at Imola, so I think this will be the first sprint weekend we get this year with the new cars that is going to produce the racing that I look for when you think of a sprint uh, race. The Red Bull Ring is one of the shortest tracks in the calendar. It only has 10 official corners, which is very few, and you consider Jeddah has like mid-20s or something crazy like that. Um, And it has also one of the most ridiculous quote-unquote corners that is just a kink in the straight between turn one and turn three. And a couple of the other corners are like barely corners as well. Like this track literally has like seven actual corners. But that doesn't mean that there's not places to overtake. There's plenty of places that you can put moves on, especially in the first three DRS zones of the track to start finish straight. Basically, three consecutive straights. It's literally, you you take the right-hander onto the start-finish straight, another right-hander onto the second straight, second DRS zone, and then another right-hander and another DRS zone. Those three zones, I think, makes Austria very unique, and it's what I think the fans love about Austria is because if you're within, if you're within DRS range, you are going to see a move. Possibly, this is one of the tracks, too. You could see some, some DRS games like we saw in Bahrain and Jeddah. Um, that may make a return here in Austria, and I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if we see some Leclerc Verstappen or, you know, basically anyone near the top playing those games to uh, to earn a position because DRS is quite powerful uh, around Austria. But anyway, I think that basically what I'm getting at is the fact that there's so many places to overtake. DRS is going to be used all throughout the sprint. I just think this sprint is going to be absolutely fantastic. It's going to be probably the best sprint of the year. I think. I think we get Brazil again. Because I think they're doing Imola and Austria instead of Monza and um, Britain. But I think they're bringing back Brazil. And Brazil is another great, it's another short track. And it's another great place for a sprint. But I think Austria might be the best sprint of the year. So I'm really looking forward to this weekend. 
But let's talk a little bit about what happened last year. There was two races there. Uh, Max Verstappen, though, was dominant in both. They kind of blend together because of how dominant he was in both, both winning them by over 20 seconds. The first one, he won by 35 seconds, and it could have even been like a second or two more because he did a little burnout. Basically, his car was on fire that day, and he just was probably just so, he was elated by how dominant he was that day. Does a little burnout. The FAA was not happy about that, but nonetheless, the next round, he didn't quite win by 35 seconds, but you know, just a casual first Grand Slam of your career. So safe to say that those were the two most dominant weekends of Max Verstappen's uh, 2021 championship campaign. So I don't really see any reason to not see Max as a huge favorite again here. Um, I was actually looking at betting lines to see if, you know, Max Verstappen winning the Austrian Grand Prix was just like a ridiculous favorite. And it's not. So, hey, if you really think Max has this in the bag, maybe you should go bet on it because it's really it's only like minus 110. It's almost double your money, so hey, go for it if if you feel like it. I'm I might consider it. <laughs> um, anyway, Max he's he's won in Spielberg four times already in his young career, which is which is kind of crazy. Sure, the the RB18 isn't is is different than the RB16B and you know the cars that he's driven in the past, but I still think Red Bull's package should still be very strong here, and Max is obviously. He, he loves this track. I mean, you can't not love this track and win four times here already, and he's he's only been here since 2016. Um, so I think moving on to my predictions, I'm just going to go fully on the Verstappen train and say I'm gonna he's going to grab another Grand Slam here. Pull, fastest lap, race win, lead every lap, and I also think he wins the sprint. Max points for Max, and yeah, I just envision dominance here from the Dutchman but I think we could see a great race behind him battling for P2. Um, Charles Leclerc, Sergio Perez, Carlos Sainz, they'll all be in there. I'm probably going to take Leclerc to finish ahead of Perez. Sainz will finish ahead of the Mercedes pairing. And I'll take Russell over Lewis uh, for P5 and Lewis and P6. Because I really think that the upgrades that Mercedes has brought has only solidified them more as kind of the best of the rest where sometimes if they had an off weekend, they could mix in with like McLaren or Alpine or even Alfa Romeo, where now I think that they're just firmly best of the rest. It's going to be really hard for any other team to challenge them and move up into those positions. Um, But I still don't really think that unless they have like a perfect track, like a Silverstone for Lewis Hamilton, that we're going to see them often mixing in with the Red Bull and Ferrari. I still think they're clear. Ferrari's and the Red Bulls, they both just have something about their car that they can bring to every single racetrack and know we are absolutely the best at that. And I kind of touched on it th- on this week's pod, you know. Everyone knows by now the Red Bull in a straight line is an absolute animal. The Ferrari in the slow speed is freakishly fast. The Mercedes, what I mean, people say it, it does look nice on the uh, on the fast corners for the most part. But there's really nothing that you can pinpoint on the Mercedes and be like, yeah, that's their strong suit. It's just everyone knows you kind of have to avoid the street circuits for the Mercedes if they're on a classical track. Um, Like a Silverstone, like a Barcelona, like a Red Bull ring, 
then they typically do better. But however, even when Mercedes was building the ultimate F1 machines like the W11 or basically basically any Mercedes up until this year, they still always kind of struggled with Austria a bit. Uh, Toto was interviewed after the Silverstone Grand Prix a little bit, questioned a little bit about Austria, and he said that there was a few corners that their cars have just never liked. And I don't think new regs are going to change that massively. I mean, there's kind of a philosophy you go by building a car. And I'm not sure if just because these cars are brand new that all of a sudden the car that they build or think is a fast car. Because, I mean, you know, they're going to try to build upon what they knew works, right? Even if it's a brand new car. They're going to they're gonna try to build upon what, the, what they knew worked for a fast car. So... I, I'm not sure that Austria is going to all of a sudden suit them extremely well. I think it'll be better than Baku or Monaco, but I'm not sure if it'll be as strong as we saw in Silverstone. And they were still just a tad bit off, so close. Lewis Hamilton could have won the race, but I still think they were a tad off. And that was evident when they put on the soft tires and Lewis was, I think, just a bit off of what the Ferraris and... Uh, the Red Bulls were able to do. I mean, I guess it was just present signs. So imagine if that was Max and Leclerc, because I think we we know that they're on a bit of a different level to their teammates, and it still seemed that Signs and Perez had a bit more in them than Lewis. So anyway, moving on, um, my bold prediction for the Red Bull ring is that the sprint will be the best sprint that we've had so far in F1 history. So not just this year in F1 history. We had some pretty great sprints, like. Better than the one in Brazil that we had last year where Lewis just went absolutely nuts, P20 to P5. And I think that that sprint wouldn't have been that special had Lewis not get got penalized um, in qualifying. Like if he was just in his normal position, that sprint wouldn't have been that crazy. It was just the fact that he was completely out of place. So the TV direction was on Lewis Hamilton the whole time. Like not that much else happened. Like at the beginning we had the... We had Bottas, and there, like, there was a little bit of action on lap one, as there typically is in any sort of race, feature race or sprint. But then after that, it was basically just Lewis the whole time. So I think we still see that first lap chaos that that you know we see in every race. But I just think this time there's going to be battles all the way through. Um, and for an actual bold prediction, because I kind of already talked about the sprint being so good already, I'll take Norris to finish ahead of one of the Mercedes in the sprint. I'm not sure which one. I think either whether it's Russell or Hamilton, they're both going to reclaim fifth and sixth uh, on the on the whole race distance. But for the sprint, I'll take Norris ahead of one of them. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my whole preview. There's no silly season this week because it's not really an official off week. I'm going to keep that down the road. Um, but I still, I'm going to talk about a few things. I'm not just going to end it right there. So let's, uh, let's hit the V8s. Always love that transition. The V8 engine just sounds so good, doesn't it? But anyway, the Mercedes, uh, their team was apparently shocked to learn that the floor of the Ferraris and Red Bulls flex more than the regulations allow. Um, they've been able to get away with it because the regulations actually weren't clear um, I'm not going to get too, too into it, but anyway, they, they've basically been exploiting kind of the rules and that's, 
what you aim to do as an F1 team. If you can see a loophole in the rules, you better exploit it because that's the performance that you're gonna that you're gonna get to put yourselves ahead of the rest of the pack, right? But um, I got a quote here from Mercedes trackside engineering director Andrew Shovlin. He said that they realized that there are opportunities they've perhaps not been exploiting. That's that's the quote right there. There's opportunities that they've perhaps not been exploiting, and that's exactly what I was trying to say kind of before that is that Red Bull and Ferrari have found that loophole and now there's a rule coming in effect for the French Grand Prix which is round 12 right after Austria and it could affect the top two teams a bit they are not going to be allowed to have that flexi floor so we'll see maybe I, I don't think it's going to affect the pecking order that much you know there's there keeps being things that oh Mercedes is going to close the gap because of this little rule change or because of this upgrade and I, I've kind of been on the same, I've had the same opinion the whole time. I don't think it's going to change the pecking order that much. Um, Red Bull and Ferrari, I think, still just have the better packages. They have the better designs. Nothing is going to all of a sudden completely um, change the pecking order. So I, w- I wanted to bring that up because maybe it brings Mercedes that little bit closer. But I still... I'm still confident that Red Bull will be the fastest on the straights. Ferrari is going to be the fastest in the slow speed. And as I said, those two teams are going to be able to go to every single racetrack and know that they're the best in in the grid on the grid at those two things. But since we're on the topic of floor, I want to quickly mention this is the only thing I'm going to really talk about that's still Silverstone related. But it has not come out what caused the issues for Max Verstappen at Silverstone. It was a massive piece of AlphaTauri jammed in his Red Bull. He took a hilarious photo with it, got a big grin on him holding this. They called it a small piece of debris, and it's hilarious because it's bigger than his hand. Like, it's a it's a huge piece of debris and just a hilarious photo. And to now know that was what was in his car, and he still finished P7. And these are ground-effect cars. Um, like, downforce is generated by the floor. It's not so like chassis dependent anymore so to basically completely disrupt the airflow that is like meant to make the car perform well that massive piece of alvatari was there the whole time and getting p7 with that is just is extremely impressive he when he was saying he was driving on ice i absolutely believe him because it looks like he probably would have been Um, I don't know what it's like to drive an F1 car. So, of course, I am kind of just assuming things a little bit here, but I imagine that that had to be extremely difficult. So, yeah, Max Verstappen, just a different beast. Um, The last thing I'll mention, too, is, and I'm not really sure, I don't have a whole lot of details. I just read an F1 article about it, but I'll just quickly mention it because, you know, not everyone reads the F1 articles religiously like I do. Um, there's an F1 exhibition, um, tickets are going to be available in the fall. They're calling it, uh, quote, uh, quote, a unique traveling exhibition and immersive experience covering the incredible history and exciting future of the pinnacle of motorsport. So I'm not really sure what that exactly entails, I guess. Um, you know, personalities, journalists, all these people are working together 
to uh, tell the story of F1. You're going to see some historical cars. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I just wanted to throw that out there because if that sounds like something that interests you, because it interests me, but I just don't know how realistic it's going to be, how much it's going to cost, whether it comes anywhere close to me. I have no idea how it's even working. So, But, you know, if that sounds really interesting to you, I think you can you can go to a website link. You probably just search it up on Google and it'll come up and you can get some more information about that. So I just thought I would share that because it does sound kind of cool. So I said earlier this week, um, RLR, the racing league that I take part in, and, you know, they support me, so I always give them a shout-out back. For any listeners that aren't in the league, I know some of you in the league do listen to me, but anyone's not in the league, I give them a shout-out so they the league can get some recognition. But, of course, they're in a bit of a break with the F122 game coming out, sorting some things out there, getting getting a league or getting the championship division started up a bit down the road. So I won't be shouting them out from now on. But I did want to talk about some of my own plans just before I wrap up here. The midseason break is around the corner. We only have, I think, three more rounds before the midseason break comes. Um, and then F1 takes three, four weeks off. And there's, it's going to be hard for me to do podcasts when there's no midseason break. So what I'm going to do is the first week after the midseason break, or not after, sorry, during the midseason break, the first week I'm going to do a whole episode kind of just summarizing the year so far or half the year. You know, maybe I'll give out some uh, awards like best race of the year so far, best driver, maybe some grades. I'll basically just do a summary of the first half of the season and then my bonus episodes are going to be my regular episodes. I'm going to try to get two more interviews. I'm going to do a part two with Tim Haraney. Hopefully, he still has to agree to it, so I'm not guaranteeing that. And then I'm working on getting a second interview. I can't say their name yet because it's obviously not confirmed. Um, and then the one week that I, because I think that's three weeks and there'll be four weeks off, I think if, I, if I'm thinking about it correctly, I might just take a week off. But if not, then I'll be right back to the preview of, um, I think Belgium is what we come back to. So I'll be right back to the preview of Belgium. So that's what my plan is for the mid-season break. And also uh, my TikTok, I want to quickly just talk about it. It's currently on hold. Um, I used to put F121 clips um, behind the clips from the podcast. And I'm just working on getting some F122 clips that I can use for the TikTok. So once I get some of those, then I'm going to be uploading to um, my TikTok regularly again. So just wait on, just wait for that. I really want to get them up as soon as possible too, because um, they really help uh, the notoriety of this podcast. So I'll be doing that as soon as possible. And thanks again. I already kind of gave everyone a thanks a bit ago, but thanks again for anyone who uh, is supporting me on TikTok as well. So that will do it for the Lance Stroll episode of Break By. It's just a short one. Just wanted to quickly preview the Austrian Grand Prix and talk about a few things. Um, But yeah, I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I'll be back with episode 19 on Monday after the Austrian Grand Prix Sprint Weekend. I'm expecting another banger. Goodbye.